Hey, this is Gerds Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Hundle and today I'm just really excited to have this person on the show just because they're, they're a male empath and I've never had a male empath on the show. And this person helps empaths who have been emotionally abused to help to rediscover their authentic self. Raj Montage is an empath and trauma survivor and he's recovered and helps people through his podcast called On Call Empaths and through his coaching services. He believes we all have the ability to heal. Hey Raj, how are you? <laughs> I am good. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, thank you. I'm just grateful to have you on my show now because I know I was on yours a few weeks back and I just loved our conversation and, you know, this the whole thing we were talking about, like culture and we're like we understood each other's backgrounds. It was just really powerful. So thank you for having me on yours. Oh, it was an honor and it is still doing well. So I just want to let you know, you did make a big impact. <laughs> oh, I'm grateful. <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> well, this time I just want you to just tell, tell everyone about your journey because you've been on a crazy journey and I know you've come throughout like something so like amazing that has been hard for a long time but you saw the light and yeah. I'd love for you to share like what your life was like until you discovered the term empath sure and just before I start I, I want to let you know like I mean I haven't really opened up 100% um, until now so I am I feel like now is the time it, to come forward and just uh you know, be open about everything. Cause I get a lot of questions like, how did you become, you know, an empath? When did you know you're empath and mm -hmm. how did you get into the work you do? Um, my journey started when, you know, as long as I can remember as I was a child, you know, um, from being in the school system, um, being in a community, feeling different, never really fitting in. Mm -hmm. And I just really didn't know, um, you know, what was going on. I was just trying to people please and trying to get by and not, not get anyone upset or angry. So these things that I was learning, um, they carry with you through um, childhood into adulthood. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know that at the time. And so I kept repeating these patterns that weren't serving me. And it would start from, I, could, I remember once I was in a classroom where um, I couldn't tie my shoe. I, I remember this like it was yesterday. And it, it still affects me today where the teacher um, had me walk across the whole um, asphalt with all the rocks and everything barefoot because huh? I couldn't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, something as small as that, um, you know, it shapes, it, it basically shaped my mind where, you know, I was like punished or shamed. And, and so... That's what shaped it. And so from that example, things just started to happen more and more often. And it started from the household. So not only in school, but when I would come home, mm -hmm. uh, it would be more of the same, you know, obviously, you know, very well with growing up in, in the Indian community, you know, um, they're very judgmental, they're very strict. 
um, I feel like a lot of them, you know, they just don't know any better because it's like they're always moving forward with their generational, what they were taught when they were kids. So then, mm. so going into high school and all of that, like most people would have parent, you know, teacher day or um, father Sunday or mother, you would have your, your parents there. And I, I used to go to the, you know, the sporting events and stuff where um, I would wrestle or I would, uh, you know, play soccer and all these sports. But many times, um, you know, I didn't have anyone, you know, mm-hmm. when parents night happened, I'd be left on the field after everyone left. I remember one time mm-hmm. I was just left there and it, it became dark. You know, there was, I was the only one on the field and I was sitting on the bleachers, just kind of thinking like, what is going on? Like, it was just a feeling of loneliness. Like I didn't mm-hmm. fit in with people um, that was around me. I didn't fit in with the community. I didn't get along with, you know, my parents. I was just going along. And that's where, you know, the patterns were like ingrained in my head that I'm not good enough. And if I, if I try hard enough, maybe they'll accept me mm-hmm. and I have to get everyone to like me. Yeah. If, if anyone's listening out there, that type of stress, it goes into, especially when you get into relationships, marriage, you know, things like that. Um, because you have that mentality is if, if you don't please somebody, they're not going to accept you. And that's going to cause more suffering where that was the narrative. Now, fast forward to today, after all that trauma that I went through, um, I know I walk, I can walk into a room and then I can ask myself, you know, do I want to accept these people? And it took me decades to, to get to that point, but it, it took a lot of hard work, a lot of, you know, good habits, getting rid of some people, going non-contact, being able to see, you know, different types of narcissists and manipulation and toxic people, not only in the workplace, but also at home and being able to shield myself. So I started looking into empaths because I I met this one woman, I think I told you this in my podcast, I think she was uh, some sort of like, I mean, she was definitely an empath, but she was telling me that my story needs to come out. Like, you know, my voice needs to be on something. And I was laughing. I was like, I don't have confidence to even talk to someone on the phone. I don't know what you're talking. And she's like, no, no, trust me. Your purpose here is to help people and your voice is going to change the world. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do one episode and that's (laughs) it just to satisfy myself and you and, and it was very hard because I did the episode and I'm like, man, I sound so, I'm not happy with it. People are going to make fun of me. And I always thought what people are going to think. And then mm. next thing I know, a hundred episodes later, you know, doing all these wonderful stuff for other people. That's, that's when it hit me hard. I'm like, I'm an empath. I know what my purpose is. I know who I am. So I had to go through all that suffering mm. to come out on the other side and would I change anything? Not really, because then I wouldn't have met great people like yourselves and people all over the world that I'm able to, to impact and, and really connect with. Cause there's, there's more people out there that are suffering in this world than ever before, not just because of the pandemic, but just in general. So that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there were so many things I was like nodding as you were saying them and Gosh, right. I'm going to go go back to the beginning a little bit. Wow. Sure. Um, yeah, I just want to say, like, you're a brave soul. And, you know, honestly, it does 
take courage to to come out and start speaking your truth because from the environments that we grew up especially being Indian you know it's it's, it's the opposite right you know we're supposed to mm-hmm. put on a front people please smile everything is perfect there's nothing wrong with us right mm-hmm. but when you start speaking your truth gosh it gives you that empowerment to really realize you know what I've been through some hard hard shit and like it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to speak my truth and I think that's what you're doing right now and I just yeah I just wanted to say that before we carry on talking um yeah it's interesting isn't it like you're saying about when you were younger I remember in school like gosh I must have been about five years old and I, I went to majority white school um mm-hmm. so you know obviously same here <laughs> yeah with the odd like brown kids right like just one one every year you know oh my gosh right <laughs> That's and like torture right there. <laughs> exactly. Because it's like identity. Your family are like immigrant parents. So they, you know, different culture. They would call me Gandhi. In, Gandhi, in, in what? Oh hey, God. Gandhi, get over here, man. I, I'm oh serious. Like, they didn't even, they knew, they didn't even know my name. They wow. just, just pictured an Indian man and they just called me that. And that's, that's, really that's what my nickname was. Wow. <laughs> that's bad. That is really bad. I know. It hurt, but you know, what yeah. can I do? <laughs> But, you know, I was just going to say, like, I remember a kid looking at me and saying to me, why are you dirty? And I, my, my, mm. I grew up, my parents never said anything about colour at that point because my parents taught us, like, you know, see everybody as one. And so I, I remember going home and I remember feeling really weird inside after that kid said that to me. And I went home and I said to my mum, why am I dirty? And she says, what do you mean? And I said, well, this this kid said that I'm dirty because of my skin. And then, like, she had a word with my teacher the next day. But I remember that affecting me a lot. Like I didn't fit in. There was something wrong with me. Um, And it kind of created an insecurity. And then other things like happened as I grew up, like again, about my, my color of my skin or like you're different or, you know, you're exotic or, you know, it's always these names that were given when you're in these kind of majority white schools or the teacher couldn't say your name correctly and then would try to give you a nickname. And it's like, well, no, it's not that hard to say my name. Like, and (laughs) It's, it's when you think about it it's crazy isn't it it's these little things that affect it it happens even today like just recently people ask me for my last name and it, my last name only is uh, you know pretty straightforward it's a, yeah. a couple letters but they're just staring at me and they just think it's like like 26 letters or something like crazy and what? I tell them and so they they're looking at me they're expecting me to play that role mm. expecting me to like maybe when I, like, I remember at work when I, I used to be in a, a gym position, a general manager. And so when I would talk to um, clients on the phone, when they would come visit me, they were, you know, I'd go by RJ. And uh-huh. so they would come and see me and they were, and I'm like, I'm looking for RJ. I'm like, I'm RJ. And then they would kind of size me up and they're like, wait a minute, this guy's got no accent. And mm. he's definitely he looks a little different. So, I yeah. mean, they were, they were, they had a picture in their mind, like RJ was somebody else. Um, white, I have, probably. Yeah, probably. And, yeah. <laughs> and so I could just tell, like, they weren't as interested, like I don't know why. And maybe that's my insecurity, but mm-hmm. today I can say it's not my problem. If they're, yeah. if they're not happy because the way I look or how I come across or because, I mean, I've even had a, in a job interview where they're like, I used Roger instead of Raj and oh, wow. you know they they said they said something smart like they made a smart comment like you know you're you're not fooling anyone or something along that lines and I'm so glad I didn't take that job but like what he was saying is like 
uh, he would have never called me if, if if my name was if I put my real Indian name on there. Mm. That's what I'm assuming. But um, the comment that he made made it clear that he was looking for a particular type of person. And he, he just thought that I wasn't being genuine because I was using a different name mm. other than the one on my license, which is a lot longer, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I and I relate because like I was in the journalism world, and you know I used to get you're well spoken for a, for an Indian woman. I'd be like, what does yeah. that even mean? Or yeah. you don't like you don't sound and look like other Indian people. I'm like, uh, what am I supposed to have an accent? You know, right, or, right. And you think, oh God, you know we're in you know we're in like the modern society, and you wouldn't be thinking like that. Maybe our parents' generation, I'd understand, but our yeah. generation, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. And wherever I went people would get insecure because of the way I was speaking and not like they would think I was like Brit, like is in white, not brown. Right. And so they'd kind of get confused, like you said as well. And I'd be like, yeah. And they're like, oh, but you don't have an accident. Are you, are you from Indian? I'm like, no, I'm born in England. I mean, oh, I've, I've had someone, <laughs> someone I got in an argument with once he's like, come on, man, don't, don't be ashamed of your culture. And I'm like, what are you what? talking about? I've never been to India. I, you know, I was born here with, you know, but you don't look like you're from this side of the pond. I'm like, what? okay, so our conversation is done. And I, I walk away. I mean, there's mm. a lot of ignorant people, but then, yeah. I mean, even now in 2021, there's a lot of people out there that are going to get in your face or make a smart comment mm. and being an empath, it's yeah. that much harder because we absorb all that. Yeah. So that's why like especially with a lot of my clients i mean especially the ones from different cultures um i've had chinese i've had indian i've had all types and the number one thing they say is that you know people just you know they they have this picture you know mm -hmm. being submissive and putting you know being smart and and doing your work and and really being yeah. articulate and so that's fine if those are great traits but i'm i mean i'm my own person like I mean, when somebody asks me where I'm from, I'll tell them I'm from New York and they'll, they'll look at me like, okay, where's your parents from? And I'll like, listen, I'm, I'm going to just end this conversation because I don't like where it's going. And so what they're trying to do is, is, is maybe trying to relate with me, like we're the same or, you know, we have something in common, but I, I, I take that as very offensive. Like, mm. I don't know why. And, and it's maybe something that happened when I was a child where, um, you know, since the abusers that I lived with didn't like themselves, they, you know, they would tell me um, that because of my skin tone, that when I grow up, no one's going to take me seriously, I'm going to be second class citizen. And this is coming from people that, you know, are supposed to protect you and teach you things. And, but then all those things get ingrained in your brain. And mm. then once you get older, you see the world at a totally different lens. And the good thing is, is you can retrain the brain and I'm mm. living proof of that. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say like anyone who's listening who might not understand what it's like as a person of color, I just want you guys just for a moment to just imagine like someone like myself or Raj or somebody who's a different background, you know, we already have 
immigrant trauma so like our parents when they came here they had their own trauma they have their own expectations of how they want to live their life and how they want their kids to live their lives so when we're growing up there's this high expectation on us but then we also have this cultural side where we we are supposed to fit in Mm -hmm. and look presentable and behave in the right manner and normally india i can only vouch for like obviously indian side but you know being an indian um girl was like you had to people please and you had yeah. to put on a front and you had to smile and say, hello, auntie. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was always smiley, smiley, but your pain was always meant to be hidden. You know, we don't yeah. show society what we're going through because, you know, if we, yeah. if anyone finds out, they're going to go and gossip and tell somebody yeah. and the whole community will know, <laughs> you know, it, it's crazy. But, you know, this is the kind of upbringing that we've had cool. people of color. And then to then, when you're then also trying to fit into school and you've and if you've gone to a school that's diverse and it's not so bad but when you've gone to a school where you're where you're like the odd person out um, and it's majority white you then are trying to fit in there so then you're people pleasing again mm-hmm. and then when you go home you're trying to you know appease your parents because you want to to make them proud so then again you're people pleasing every direction and even when you end up getting a job you're doing the same thing you do the same thing with your friends it's tiring (laughs) honestly it's tiring for people of color who are empaths because they've spent their whole lives sacrificing themselves in order to make everybody else happy except for themselves and what Raj has been talking about is growing up how hard it was for him as well like even as an Indian guy like you know it wasn't easy because We've, we've had all these unrealistic expectations put on us from a young age. Yeah. And if you do something different, you have that pressure on top of you. And it's, yeah. it's, it's just so heavy. And I'm just want to say to like anyone out there who is of a person of color, like start the process, you know, you have the ability to take your mm-hmm. power back. You do have the ability to heal. But the first step is accepting that there's nothing wrong with you. Like mm-hmm. you are perfect. You are whole, you are complete. And then slowly start unraveling the patterns that you have. Gosh, I just went on a rant there, Raj. <laughs> no, I'm taking notes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what would you say, like, just from what I was saying? like? Well, I, first of all, I mean, I have to say, like, especially being a woman, it's, I think it's a lot harder because um, I've, I've seen it myself personally, like, with how the men treat the women you're like below them mm-hmm. and I think that is changing more and more um mm-hmm. especially in the states but I you know I know the older generation it's like the man is always in intro- control like he whatever he says um you have to listen to and you have to they mold you into a certain person so you can't have a favorite color you have to like the color that your husband has or your boss has or you know so it's and I've seen this and I even the people that are in my family like I've seen their side of the family and how it works the dynamics and it's always they're always one step below and it's just accepted widely accepted but never talked about everything is secret everything is hush hush but when you ask those type of questions, like, why can't, why can't she put her two cents in? Then you get the pushback. Like, are you kidding me? Like, don't be asking that kind of question. So that's what I have a problem with. And that's why I like having podcasts like this. So we can have open dialogues where we can actually expose what's really goes on behind closed doors, because 
let's face it, even people in our culture, I mean, they are prejudiced against people of other color. And oh, yeah. that's being white is something that they aspire to be, but because they can't be that. I mean, just look at Bollywood, all the light skin actors and all that stuff. Those are the people that get in. Those are the people that are on TV that are popular, um, especially also like not only just the women, but also the men have to play this heroic role. So it's mimicked. And it, it seems like they're they're trying to mimic everything. Because uh, all the shows are like mimic, like American Idol, all these things <laughs> that that uh, that you see on TV, like they spin it around on, on their end. So it's like they're constantly mimicking, trying to be accepted, trying to show their worth, whether it's through, you know, hey, look at what I got. Look at where my kids are going to school. Look at what I'm driving. At the end of the day, those are the types of people I tell all my clients. Those are not your people. And those are the people that are going to ruin you unless you go non-contact or you keep minimal like conversation, gray rock, and you leave one word answers. Like I cut most of those people out and the ones that I have to deal with, it's more like a business relationship. I, I don't ask it anything personal. I keep it professional strictly. And if they do make a comment that's hurtful or, you know, there will be like, man, you're, you're getting a little bit too dark or also like, fat shaming. That's a huge one too. Yeah. I used to be fat shamed all the time. I used to be like really overweight. I was like 200 and some pounds, but because I kept getting picked on and, and, um, told like, you know, no, you're, you're not a human being because you have a little fat on your stomach or they'll grab the fat what? or they'll, they'll feed you like all this like fatty food and they'll watch you eat it. But then the next day they'll be like, you, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're not, you know, somebody very, you know, that is going to be desirable for dating or any of that. So then they'll, they'll, they'll put you down. So it's constantly love bombing and then constantly like taking it away. So it's it, when, when you do that to a, any human being, whether it's male, female, whoever, and they're still developing and especially in a younger age, when that person gets older, I don't care how many therapists, psychologists, how many, you know, methods that you use it, they're going to have that mark, just like a burned building. You can build that building back to brand new, but there's going to be parts that are going to not be hundred percent like, you know, clean. And, but I say that embrace that. That's what makes you an empath, all your flaws, everything that's, that people are saying that they don't like about you embrace that. Because you wouldn't be human if, if you didn't have a little fat or if you didn't have a little darker skin or if you're, you, you know, a female or a male. It all depends at the end of the day when you go to bed are the people, the few people that you can count on and that matter to you. And that's what I tell my clients that live with narcissists that have been in families that they get abused in daily for decades. For those people to start living in the moment and getting to that healing journey, they have to start one foot in front of the other one day at a time and just know that they are, they are enough, even with all the flaws. And I know that's very hard. And I've been to many therapists and, and doctors and things like that. And I have to say 90, 90% have no clue. Like they, they just don't understand. Uh, because they know the dynamics they're going from a different culture. So when I tell them, like, I can't sit down at a dinner table or I can't pull them aside and say, Hey, look, 
let's have a meeting. It's your words are really hurting me Mm -hmm. when you fat shame me or tell me that, you know, I'm not going to be anybody because I got a lower grade or, you know, whatever the put down is, you can't do that in our culture because now you're, you're showing your dominance and that's not going to happen. You're always talk. You're the person that you're being always inferior. You're one step lower. And I tell people like, we're just like a grocery list. When you go to the grocery store, you pick up eggs, milk. That's what it's like for a lot of these families when they want to have kids, they have kids because it's a, it's an item that they heard of their parents did it. It's like going to the grocery store, (laughs) but then afterwards they discard you. Like it's not anything big, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. like a, a list that they need to check off. And, um, you know, it's not your fault. That's all I can tell anyone that's listening. It's not your fault. You were, you were put into this mess, but it, but it is your responsibility to, you owe it to yourself to, to heal and live the best possible life you possibly can. And, uh, you know, it's people like you Gerds that I really cherish because you're doing amazing work. And, um, and that's what kind of like attracted me, like all of the good stuff that you were doing online. It's like, man, somebody actually gets it finally. Like there's somebody out there that actually hundred percent gets it, you know? And so, Mm. I appreciate you. Oh, <laughs> you kind of make me cry. <laughs> oh, bless you. Um, yeah, it's just, I think it's because there are like, so there, there are like new therapists, like people of color who are coming out and that is amazing. And I'm so grateful that's happening because growing up, I don't think there was any, I don't think, I don't think I ever heard of an Indian therapist or a counselor or a coach, right? <laughs> they're out there. <laughs> but they're out there now, right? But like growing up, I don't think. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't remember hearing any of them. But no. I think what is important is doing the work and having people mm-hmm. that get you. And I think when you're a person of color, there's not many people that understand your upbringing or the immigrant trauma. It has to be somebody who's gone through Mm -hmm. something similar that will get you. And I just wanted to just take it back a little bit. I know you were saying, you know, for women, it's hard and things. It depends on the household. So, you know, it's not just men are men that control the household. There are women who control households as well. There are many men who have grown up in households where the woman has been dominant and has controlled and the father's been quiet. So Mm -hmm. there are so many different dynamics within cultures and upbringings of people. And, you know, whatever background you've grown up in, the key is to look at those patterns and the key is to look at those behaviors and also to question why you're following them. Because I think sometimes we don't realize why we're doing certain things. Because when we're growing up, we think that's the norm. Just like, you know, your mm-hmm. household, Raj, you were like, that's normal. You know, my household, that was normal. But right. was it normal? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. only until you start peeling off the layers and looking, okay, what is it mm-hmm. that I want? And what what upsets me? What hurts me? And, and, you know, it was important what you said, you know, in a lot of cultures, it is hard to talk to your family about what's upset you. And even if you do speak about it, gosh, there will be like World War Three for a very long time. And it may take years just <laughs> just from advice. It could take years until the healing process process happens. But right. do what's right for you, but also be wary to protect yourself, because as an empath, it's a lot of energy and a lot of anger that will be thrown at you. And you just need to be wet, like aware of it, mm-hmm. because when you're trying to heal yourself, but then you're trying to regulate other people's emotions it's just too much (laughs) right (laughs) and sometimes the key is just to take a step back and look at what you can do for yourself you know what 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 are the ways that you can nourish yourself what are the ways that you can help 
to make yourself self feel better. Um, this is just from experience that I'm talking from, you know, it's taken me years to get where I am. And I know it's taken Raj years to get where he is as well. But, you know, your culture doesn't define you. And I think this is the key people need to remember. Your gender doesn't define you. Your, you know, your religion doesn't define you. What defines you is who you want to be. And at the end of the day, you know, the universe, high power, I'm sure I've said this before to you, Raj, like, you know, God, high power universe made you who you are for a reason. So if somebody has an issue with that, that's their issue because the divine wouldn't have created you that way. Mm -hmm. You know, if you didn't want he or she up there who wouldn't want you to be that way. So all these flaws, you know, you were talking about, that's part of us. That's our perfection. That's how we were meant to be created. And we just need to embrace that and accept that about ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, um, you know, one thing that I do get from, you know, from a, lot of people that I've seen uh, to justify, you know, their actions is they did the best that they could with what they had. Mm. And that made me very, very angry for many years. And I was like, that's not my problem. Like, it is not my problem. They decided to, you know, bring me here and have kids and then abuse me. Like, how is that my problem? And, you know, Mm. life isn't fair. I mean, we all have, Everyone has problems. Everyone is suffering in some way, shape, or form. But, you know, you have to do with what best what you got. I mean, I know, like, I talk about, you know, they did this to me, or I felt like this. And, I mean, there are some great things that, you know, in their eyes, maybe, like, you know, th- they were trying to show, like, some sort of maybe making, like, some food or something. Like, I know my mom used to always make food to cheer me up and stuff like that. I mean, and I think that's universal. So we have to look at the good, positive things also, even if it's coming from people that just don't know any better. I mean, you can't, you can't discipline a two-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Like they're (laughs) going to cry. They don't know any better. Like they just don't. And by you trying to change somebody or teach them, what I've learned in all these years is, I stopped trying to change anyone. Only thing I can change is my response and how I think. So they're going to do what they're going to do anyways. So I'm going to do what I need to do. And if that pisses people off, so be it. Yeah. And usually the people that are hurting you are actually just coming from a place of their own trauma. And, you know, they have their own trauma, but again, it's for them to heal. It's not your job to fix or save them or please them because in that process, you lose your identity and you lose who you are. So you can forgive them. You can, or, you know, you don't always have to forgive. I know forgiveness is spoken so much within the spiritual world. I I believe forgiveness is great. However, for some people, it's not always easy. You know, there's, there's abuse, you know, there's domestic abuse, you know, there's things that, you know, people go through horrific things. Um, But, you know, you meet yourself at a place where you feel you can heal. You know, it doesn't, it's not always about forgiving that person. And usually the forgiveness is not about that person. It's about you setting yourself free from that person. Right. Um, And it's usually for you, the forgiveness versus them. But the key is to start growing on yourself and start loving yourself. And all the things that those people have said horrible things about you is to go back and look at yourself and look how amazing you are. 
start loving you who for you are doing things that you love doing as a child you know as an inner child mm. oh my god there are so many things like even I love skipping so even when I was younger <laughs> I used to love skipping like 100 you know right. 200 <laughs> and you know when I went on my healing journey I was like right I'm getting a skipping rope and I used to start right. skipping and like my flatmates were like what are you doing you know <laughs> but it because it brought me joy right I used to go right. to the parks go the swings you know do things that are going to bring you joy again to bring back that joyful side of you because when you've gone through so much trauma you need to remember your inner child and you need to nurture that inner child as well Mm -hmm. you know that inner child is just craving love for itself and you know and that's a great point because I like I talked that about that a lot with a lot of people is you know I actually talk out loud to the inner child sometimes because that that little boy or you know whoever's listening right now to this podcast we all have that hurt child within us and if you can take care of them and say everything will be fine and you talk to them how you should have you know how they should have talked to you as uh, you know as a child because you didn't get that and that doesn't mean like you're you're going to be fine later on you have to really step back and take time to treat that child as if it's your own. And so when I started doing that, it was a game changer because I felt so much better. Like, okay, somebody cares. Cause I'd always look for validation and empaths tend to do that. They look to others, especially narcissists. They look to others to complete them or they'll go to others for opinions. Like, how does this look on me? Or do you think I should do this instead of like really looking and does this make me complete does this make me happy Mm. does this complete my inner child what does my inner child need am I nourishing everything that that I need right now for that child and the answer is no then you have to regroup and figure out what's going to satisfy that little little boy or little girl that's inside that's hurt because there is no timeline it's a lifelong process Um, you can you know heal from it but it's going to be a daily daily thing that you have to do to take care of it just like you talk to your best friend you want to talk to your inner self the exact same way like you're talking in a mirror and I know it sounds crazy because I know I was like I'm not talking out loud people think I'm crazy or I'm not you're gonna look in my mirror and start telling I love myself it just doesn't feel right but I'm telling you like if you can't do that just write it down just put in a journal Um, and then that in itself is so soothing and powerful I've had so many people say like they feel so much lighter after they started to take care of that little inner child. Mm. And like one of the things that I did in the beginning was I wrote a list of things that I always wanted to do. And that included mm-hmm. like the inner child being free. And I did one, I did, I wrote 12 things. So one thing for every month. And I kid you not, I did that for a year and my gosh, I grew like, ugh. I just, it just filled myself up with so much love. And like you said, you know, it wasn't easy in the beginning saying I love myself in the mirror. I, I remember crying like ridiculously, like, ah, like, <laughs> <laughs> I love myself. Like, you know, and sometimes I'm like, I love myself. Like, mm, like now it's like, I love myself. But you know, it, that, right. that takes time guys, right? Like it's going to take time, but right. it gets easier. The moment, you know, it's like any pattern, right? The right. more you do it, the easier it gets. And, you know, even if, you know, you know, you find it difficult to love that in a child, the key is to remember it's you could you either you mother or your father yourself the way you weren't mothered or fathered. Mm-hmm. The best way I I, I, I love that. Yeah. Yes. You nailed it right there. That's 
we never had that. So we have to give it to ourselves as adults, you know, and it's the hardest thing to do, but it's the most rewarding. Yeah. Cause and you're getting back your childhood. Yeah. And I was just going to say also like, sometimes we put a pedestal of our family, like we mm-hmm. put them on a high pedestal. So like, and this is not just people of color. This is just people in general. <laughs> we, we put, we put our family like right at the top. We put them on this pedestal and we have these right. expectations, you know, a parent should be like that. Or we look at, a family friend's family or something we're like oh that's how my parents should be or you go to a friend's birthday party and you're like oh that's how my parents should be you know meet meet your parents at where they are at you know they're Mm -hmm. not perfect they've got their own shit going on they've got their own trauma with their own family that are growing up so I'm not saying that you need to forgive them not saying that you need to like you know, you can forgive them because I think forgiveness is key, but -hmm. you meet them where they're at, but don't have the expectations of what you want from them. So that's what I mean by mothering or fathering yourself the way you didn't have that. You do that for yourself. And, you know, that is a big game changer. And I know with a lot of my clients that has made a difference because, you know, especially immigrant children, right? Like, you know, you want your mom and dad to like take you to the park or go do these amazing holidays, but they were too busy (laughs) working in a factory or, you know, working in an office, you know, day in, day out. There were so many of these expectations, right? Um, But the key is to come back to you because at the end of the day, only you can heal yourself. Only you can nourish yourself. Only you can trust yourself. So why are you giving that power away to somebody else? Exactly. the key gosh, this conversation is getting very deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. You know, it's, it's not very, very often that I can just have a candid conversation like this, you know, cause unless somebody's been through it, yeah. it's like people are just going to nod their heads. And, and I've met some great therapists and doctors, I'll be honest, but like, no matter how much training or how many letters you have after your name, mm. if you don't get it, you don't get it. it. It's something that cannot be taught in a, in a textbook. It's experience. You have to go through it. And I feel you have that. And, uh, and so do yeah. you, we both have, right? Because yeah. that's why we're able to help our clients and people out there because we know it's like to feel alone. We know it's yeah. like to feel like, you know, being a highly sensitive empath who didn't know how to stop all these emotions, you know, of other people's right. stuff. You know, we were the listeners around everywhere we went, the community, friends, family, you know, mm-hmm. everyone came to us. You know, I still remember, like, I must have been about eight years old when people started asking me for advice who were older than me. And I used to think, this is strange, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we've we've had life experience. And I think li- nothing can beat life experience. You know, you can have mm-hmm. all these qualifications up on the wall, but it's what life experience you have. Yeah is what and you know the wisdom that you learn from that right 100% and it's it's like I said everyone has a different time frame so don't put a limit on it don't say oh by this end of this year I'm gonna be healed or I'm gonna learn to forgive this person if your your true soul your inner spirit knows if you know if you're being honest with yourself so just be honest if you're not ready you're not ready. And that's okay. There's nothing to be ashamed about it. In fact, I mean, I went for years and I was just like trying to convince myself like, Oh, I'm over it. I can move on. I can, I can get jump right into a relationship. I could, you know, get into a job and, and have a career and everything will be fine. And I'll just move across the country and I'll start fresh. But one thing I will tell you, and I tell this to a lot of my clients, 
no matter where you go in the world, no matter what you've been through, it's going to follow you unless you do the work. You can start a brand new life in a brand new country and brand new people and be around positive people. But that core hurt wound, that inner child work needs to be done. And doesn't matter if you're in paradise, you still got to do the work. And that I had to learn that the hard way because I kept moving to all these awesome places all over the world. And I would work there for a little bit. And I, as soon as I'd get there the first couple of months, it's like, wow, look at this view. I got an ocean and <laughs> all the blue skies and all my coworkers are awesome. But then slowly after, you know, it creeps up, you know, it comes slowly. If somebody says something to you one day and boom, you're triggered and you're like trying to figure out what's happening. Why is this happening? And all of a sudden, since I didn't do the work, I was going into that dark hole again. Mm. And so I urge anyone that's listening is, you know, it's good that you leave somebody that's abusive. That's number one. That's always going to be positive. But even when they're long gone, let's say if they die or pass away or they, you know, a divorce or whatever, and you don't see them, you still are got to, you still have to address those underlining issues. And whether you're working with a therapist or a coach or whomever, it, it's a constant everyday thing. Like I, if I don't do it every day and put myself first and do the work and what I'm supposed to, I'll start regressing backwards and start getting triggering, you know, get triggered and start to snap and feeling I'm in a bad mood. And I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> I thought I healed. You know, I, I think that was, that's all like garbage now because obviously I didn't you know, why am I do, going back to these same patterns again? And the fact of the matter is I have, but I still have to do the work. And that's a lifelong process for me. For someone else, it might be a little different on time frame, But for me, I know that every morning, like if I don't go for a walk, if I don't journal, if I don't meditate, if I don't, you know, have good, solid conversations with quality people, I'm going to start regressing back. And so I have to plan the day before, like I have to plan out like, who I want in my life, what I'm going to do. And if I sense something that's not right as an empath, we're really good at that. If I sense like I'm going to get some resistance from a abuser, like a boss or a husband or a wife or whoever, I have to mentally prepare myself for that. And it is so much easier to deal with life rather than just going off the cusp. I'll just deal with it when I meet them. And then it becomes a shouting match and then you start screaming and, things get ugly. And so <laughs> I try, I try to at least prep myself the day before. And I mean, you can't be a hundred percent, but you can at least know like, if this happens, I know I can get up and walk out and that's what I do. And sometimes I'll, t if the person's reasonable, you know, I'll try to have a hard conversation with them and tell them these are my boundaries. And, you know, I'm not going to cross them. And I know you're my boss or I know you're, you know, my wife or you're, you know, you're someone high up there that will get upset if I don't do it. But I have, to, if I don't honor myself, I'm disrespecting myself and I'm not going to, I'm done doing that. So that's how I have this dialogue in my head. And so now I'm just glad that I'm able to have this conversation in my head when I know that, you know, there's a red flag. I know that where this person is going or they're trying to be gaslight, or they're trying to gaslight me or do something toxic or manipulative. You know, I can tell mm. and that's when the switch goes off. I'm like, okay, I need to set boundaries, do the boundaries, 
you know, you're people pleasing. So I'm it, all this stuff is going in my head. So now I'm a lot better uh, equipped with that. But fast, you know, go bang back five years ago, I would just be like, okay, sure, I'll do it. Okay, I don't want to get you upset. And I would just live my life. And what would happen? It would end up biting me in the ass. And I would hate myself. And it got to a point where I just, I, the pressure was too much. I had a breakdown because I was just taking on so many other people's um, BS. Like they wanted me to do it, but the only, the person I put last was myself. So. That's, that's why it's so important. Like, and I'm glad that you said all this because it doesn't matter what stage you're starting at, the healing is so important. Like I've been on my journey for nine years, but even still now I have to do the healing. Like yeah. if it's not as heavy, but you know, it's a little bit, you know, sometimes somebody may test my boundary still, but it's like, right, okay, I know what you're doing here. Yeah. But, in the be- but in the beginning it was like, ah, like all this healing. But you know, you mm-hmm. start where you're at and it just gets easier. Every single day it gets easier. Um. And life just gets easier as well, because like you said, Raj, like, yeah. you know, you start to see the passenger, you start to see people, what they're up to. You can, you have to, like, you can prepare yourself when you're about to go out and you know, there's going to be a toxic person there, <laughs> or, you know, you know, you're going to get some friction. You're like, mm, okay, right. I'm ready. I'm grounded. <laughs> right. It's like, bring it on. But before it would be like, woo, like a tornado. But yeah, it, it just start wait, wherever you are to start and yeah. it gets easier the- side note you're going to have bad days you are going to fail you are going to have days where like what just happened and let me tell you that is okay because if you have more be- good days than bad because i keep track if i had an off day i'll keep track of that but as long as i see a progression where i'm actually having better days than bad mm. then it's all good that means i'm at least on the right track so if anyone's listening and you're you know you've you've had a couple setbacks it's no big deal. You know, there, there is no process where you're just going to keep going up and, you know, every day is going to be great. You're going to have really crappy days and that's part of it. And what sets, you know, people apart from others is how you deal with it when you're mm-hmm. at the dumps, because not when you're at and you're high and you're happy and, you know, you're with people that you love. That's, that's great but it's when you're being abused and you're at the rock bottom and laying on the ground and you don't want to live. That's, that's what's going to set you apart. Those thoughts that enters your mind at that moment, even if it's like just getting up and going for a walk, pushing yourself when you don't want to do something, making yourself uncomfortable just for a little bit, that's what's going to get you closer to recovery. Not, you know, I'm going to try to, try to aim for being happy and, you know, being with people that are awesome all the time, because life isn't like that. You're going to be with people that are going to manipulate and you're going to come across narcissist, but as long as you're equipped and you know that you're going to have good and bad days, you're just, you're halfway there. I mean, that's part of the battle. I wanted to ask you, I've got, we're coming towards the end of the show. I've just looked at the yeah. time. Um, yeah. Why do you think empaths find it difficult to ask for help? Um, that's a very good question. Um, I would say, for at least for me personally, I can tell you it's because we don't want to upset or be inconvenience for others because when we were being abused and during our traumatic experiences, we would get rep- reprimanded or there would be something that we would have to pay. Um, 
as far as either getting beaten or yelled at or shunned. So we learn very early that if we ask for something that we don't want to inconvenience them, they might think that we're a burden. And, and so as I grew up, when I would need something, I would just wouldn't ask. And it would build and build and build until I got to the point where I would blow like a volcano and I'd quit my job or I'd just shut someone out of my life instead of putting the boundaries and letting them know upfront. So it didn't have to get that bad. So I think it starts from a you know very young age and then it progresses. If it's not checked, you'll get to a point where people are gonna use you as a doormat and then you're just hurting yourself at the end of the day. Yeah, I think I was thinking with myself, like, uh, I think when I look back, I think it's because we're, we're so used to people pleasing that, you know, we don't we want to be the one that people come to versus asking for help. Right. It's a survival. Also, it's like, we, I know, like, since I didn't have anyone to go to, like, if I didn't people please, then yeah. what happens if they disregard me, then what I'll be screwed. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do everything they say. And that way I'll be safe and I'll avoid conflict and empaths hate conflict. We avoid it like the plague. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. No problems. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing though. Once you start asking for help, life does get a lot easier and you know, we deserve help you know after helping so many people we deserve to ask for help there's there's no shame in asking for help as well no there's not and you know no matter what capacity it is if somebody gives you a hard time when you're asking for help they roll their eyes or they say make a nasty comment then you know right away that is a person that you don't need to ask help from again do not do not disturb them ever again and that's that's even happened with coworkers. I've asked yeah. them, can you help me with this? And they're like, you should know this by now. Like, how long have you been here? I'll be like, okay, Ouch. I'll ask, I'll ask somebody else and I, I won't even address them. Like, mm. I'll just look at them and I'll go to someone else. And they'll feel like really bad and they'll come, hey, I was just joking, you know, what did you need help with? You know, they'll they'll realize it. But at that point, you know, it's not about, you know, trying to please somebody it's about it's about me I have to put myself first so anyone that's listening that's the number one thing I hope you get away with this podcast is you have to put yourself first number one Mm -hmm. above everyone else that's that's how things are going to change yeah and what about somebody who's you know what are your five top tips for someone who's stuck in people pleasing and they don't know how to stop yeah, that, that is a behavior um, that's kind of like automatic. And I've caught myself where I've done, even now, like with all the work, I just walk away. And I'm like, wait a minute, what did I just do? I just caught myself. And that's a good thing. You know, maybe not in the heat of the moment. I didn't know what I was doing because it's so automatic. But you can train yourself to unlearn that people pleasing. You can start by taking baby steps and maybe instead of saying no on someone's face or just, you know, just try something small, maybe like 
if you're at a restaurant and this is what I did, I, I would never, <laughs> I would never put back my food. I, I would feel too embarrassed to like, you know, you know, send a wrong order back, or maybe um, I didn't get enough, you know, utensils for my food or whatever. I would let it go. Cause I'm like, no, I don't, <laughs> don't want to bother them. You know, I don't want to upset them, but now I'm doing things more in that. And more and more I do that. I'm able to stop the people pleasing because guess what? I'm a customer and I'm paying for my food. Yeah. If you don't like your job, that's one thing. But if I'm not putting myself first and getting what I'm paying for, then we have a problem. Then I need to take it to the next notch. And so now at this point in my life, I do it in a tactful, but very, um, like I don't come across as aggressive. I'm very, I try to put myself in that other person's shoe. So I might say something to the lines of like, I know you're having a busy day. You know what? I just remembered, I forgot, you know, some napkins in my bag. Do you mind? And usually if I go around that route, it works, but I was back to people pleasing. It's like doing small things like that. Cause it gives you a little spark, like, mm. you know, just, you get enough going, the flame's going to go. And that's how it is with people pleasing. You have to practice and practice. You don't want to start off by doing it on somebody who's very aggressive or someone that you're <laughs> not comfortable with. You want to do it with strangers or somebody that, you know, maybe role play with somebody or like a friend start doing it to someone that you know that you can take like some backlash, but then start upping it, start doing it in random places, restaurants with people, and then start moving into the scary part of it and have people hold you accountable. Like, you know, just have a coach or somebody who, you know, can keep you accountable. Like, okay, how many times this week did you do this? You know, did you put yourself in this uncomfortable position? Cause what happens is the brain starts to unlearn and see the connection that, okay, when this happens, I do this, but now when this happens, I'm going to stop it right there. Mm -hmm. And when you can distinguish that, that's when, that's when the magic happens. That's where like, wait a minute, (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel bad. I just told that person, no. And I feel great. When you get to that point, that's when you know, like, okay, you're onto something, but you have to keep doing it. Not just once you have to be consistent and put yourself in the fire many, many times Um, so practice does make perfect. And that's what I tell all my clients is you have to be exposed. Um, and, and I know I've talked to a lot of therapists on my podcast too, is people with anxiety, you know, and, um, panic attacks and, uh, PTSD. Mm -hmm. The only way that they kind of get over that is through exposure. So if like, say somebody's afraid of like driving on the highway or going to a large room, they have to start off by like, doing smaller tasks, like maybe they'll go into a smaller place or, you know, if they get a panic attack in an elevator, they might not go in an elevator, but they might, you know, go into something similar, like, you know, maybe go something maybe a lot larger. Um, and then once they get that exposure, it's, you know, then you can, you can say like, yeah, my brain has actually take that link off and it's not afraid. There's no there's no danger. And so once our brain makes that connection and that's without anything, not just people pleasing, but that's with anxiety. That's with anything that keeps you from being the best version of yourself. You've given me two, just three more. (laughs) 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 You've got three more tips for someone. Three more. Okay. So the next one is recharging every day. Mm. Especially with empaths, 
and I stress this on every episode that if you don't take time to recharge your batteries, you're going to burn out. And with empaths, we need that. So if you work like a long, stressful day, or you're, you're in a job that's super stressful, if you don't take time off in that day to do something for yourself, whether it's a bath massage, you know, um, go for a walk, meditation, journaling, if you don't take time for yourself, you're going to end up burning out. And then that's going to cause more problems. So recharge every day, it has to be a ritual like brushing your teeth. Number four is um, surrounding people, be surrounded by like-minded people. They say, you know, studies show that we become the five people that we hang around with. And that's includes family, friends. So if you're always around people that are putting you down, being negative, you're going to end up doing that. Because I noticed that you notice when people are together, they gossip and then they all gang up on somebody because all those five people, they, they have that energy, that negative low vibration. Mm -hmm. So you need to take yourself out and look at exactly who you're around. And that's why like, I'm very careful who I get in my podcast. I chose you for a reason um, because you have that energy, you have that uh, mindset um, and you've been through what I've been through. So Mm -hmm. that's a great example is I want to be, you know, in these projects and be around you because of the things that you make me think and reflect and make me want to be the best person of my best version of myself. But like when I'm with negative friends who always talk and put people down and look at what she's wearing or look what he's wearing, that kind of stuff, that's going to cause more problems down the line, especially with empaths, because by nature, you know, it's, it's really hard not to take that energy in. And so that's number four. And then the, the final fifth one is letting go. And this is the most, I would say, challenging thing for my clients because a lot of them have been through so much trauma in their life. Letting go isn't something that happens overnight. Letting go is something is where you can think of a, a time when you were abused and you don't get those physical feelings. You don't feel like your stomach is churning. You don't get headaches. You don't get muscle tension. Or you're in the presence of somebody and you're having these 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 reactions. You know, when you let go and you stop resisting, and you stop watching, playing the game, trying to be proper, trying to fit in, trying to wear the same clothes as somebody else, trying to keep up with the Joneses or trying to chase something so you look good for other people to accept you. That's, that's the biggest thing. Um, and that's the hardest thing to do because our society tells us that if we don't have things, we're nobody. And to me, I believe that it's not the things that make you, it's, it's the experiences and the people. And that's, that's, what's going to be real. Cause when we're gone from this earth, there's going to be no traces of us. I mean, mm. I mean, granted, I, you know, you do a podcast, I do a podcast. Um, I'm trying to leave some, this planet, a better place that I found it, but I'm trying to make the best out of it. But when I'm gone, I want people to be like, yeah, that guy really cared about what he did and he had a passion for helping people because he went through it. Mm-hmm. And so his life meant something, not somebody who was just trying to chase something that other people wanted 
and I got it. Let's say, you know, went to the best school and I got a big house and I got married and all that. What does it matter? Because at the end of the day, when it's all over and, you know, when it's all said and done, are you really happy? And so letting go is stopping resisting and trying not to live in those expectations of your family, friends, or anybody. You're living on your code. And so if you can do that, you're one step closer to not just healing, but self-actualization. And, you know, it may not, it may take a lifetime to do, but it, it's so satisfying because you know that your life counted for something and you weren't just like somebody here just walking around, you know, holding a grudge for your abusers and angry at people and lashing out and trying to, you know, resist and be accepted and buying all these things you don't need. So I tell all the people that I come across is try to put yourself first and let go. Try not to fit in with the sheep, do what you have to do to make an impact on this life, because that's all you have. You have one life and make it good because you can't redo it. So you might as well make the best out of it while you're here. And I'm sorry if anyone's listening, who's been through trauma, I'm really sorry. It was not your fault but you owe it to yourself and that inner child to live the best life that you're supposed to. Ah, I love that. And my last question is, what are you most grateful for? (sighs) (laughs) Well, gratitude is, I think it's one of the largest pillars in healing. Um, I try to be grateful. At least I try to write it down. But I would say I'm most grateful for for bringing the right people into my life Um, because I do really believe that there are people from all over the world that come into your life for a reason. They may not stay long, but the impact that they make changes your entire trajectory on life. So I'm grateful for all the people that I've met on my podcast. I'm grateful for you, you know, meeting you. And, um, and so that's, that's what I'm grateful for is, is having the universe bring me good people that nudge me to be the best person in my life. Cause honestly, I couldn't have done it without all of everyone. And like, just even this conversation I'm grateful for because it's, it's opened my mind and, it makes me feel good that there is somebody out there in the world that does get it. And I don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. And anyone that's listening out there, I hope you feel the same because you guys are not alone. We're we're two people living proof that things can change. Yeah. And, you know, you can become an empowered empath. It's possible. It is possible. We are, we are both, like you said, we're both living proof and yeah. Yeah, I just want to say, Raj, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story and just being you and (laughs) male's perspective as an empath. Oh, that was so good because there needs to be some more people like you and myself out there who are helping others because, yeah, I just love what you do. Thank you for everything. (laughs) I'm a a big fan of you too, so don't don't stop what you're doing. Keep doing it. Oh, bless you. (laughs) What a great interview with Raj. And it just shows that, why healing is so important and why as an empath, it's so important to trust the wisdom from within. 
and to really get to know yourself because at the end of the day, people pleasing hides the real you. It's time to shine your inner light. Take care, my sisters, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. For more information about the show or how to trust your inner light, visit my new coaching program at gerdshundle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. lit.